As much as life has changed over the last year, you're still pretty busy. So consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same tests hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 25 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. host today for Leslie Marshall. Uh, as I said a little while ago when we started the live stream, the indomitable, incomparable, and incredible Leslie Marshall. I thank you, Leslie. I love you, and I thank you for letting me sit in again for you. I cannot uh, be as awesome as you, but I will sure give it one hell of a college try. Uh, and I also want to thank Mark Grimaldi, my dear friend, my brother, the executive producer of the Leslie Marshall Show, the best producer in America, as I say every time on on here. He is absolutely amazing. Um, so, oh my God, I'm so excited to bring you two amazing guests. Let's start with, she's fierce, she's awesome, she's brilliant, she's visionary, she's a trailblazer. Her name's Stacy Olivares. Uh, I got to know Stacy here in the last couple of months, and as I got to know her, I now jokingly tell her and everybody, but I'm kind of serious. I'm actually the president of the Stacey Olivares <laughs> fan club. Um, Stacy's career, and I'm going to read this because it's so amazing. I don't want to miss any details here. It spans both the public and the private sectors across the areas of investment, technology, and policy. Um, in 2019, in 2019, Governor Gavin Newsom, the governor of the largest state in the United States, of California appointed Stacy Olivares as a trustee of the California Public Employees Retirement System, otherwise known as CalPERS, the largest, let me repeat, the largest public pension fund in the United States. She serves on four committees of, at CalPERS, the board of administration that she's a member of, governance, finance and administration, investment and performance, compensation and talent management. Um, before that, she was uh, chief investment officer at a company called Lendistry. And before that, she was, uh, let's see, chief managing director and chief investment officer of the California Organized Investment Network. So, first of all, Stacy, I want to be really honest, as I always am, every time I host the show for Leslie, because she's so authentic and transparent, I live the same way. You and I have gotten to know each other. We've talked a lot the last 60 days. And I just want to be really fair to the audience. I've never seen you until this moment. <laughs> the big reveal. It's the big reveal. And the first thing I said was, my God, how can anybody be as smart, 
as successful, as brilliant, and as beautiful as well. And let me remind the audience, I'm a gay guy. I can say this. <laughs> I need to moment. <laughs> a moment. <laughs> M-O-E-M-E-N-T, right? right? So, Stacey, take us through, because since the day I met you, I didn't even, like, I didn't know anything about you when someone introduced us. And then there was this, like, for me anyway, I don't know if you felt it, but there was this connection of our energy. And I just felt this bond with you. And as I got to know you, I just realized, God, I admire her. And I admire your success. But you you shattered a bunch of glass ceilings because you chose to go into an industry and a sector that are there are very few women, first of all, much less Latinas. So share with us. Now, where did you grow up? And since you were a little girl, did you always say, I'm going to go into the investment world, right? Like, I'm going to go to Harvard, first to UC <laughs> Berkeley, and then I'm going to go to Harvard, and then I'm going to go and be in the investment community. I mean, was like, did you even like have that aspiration? Or how do you get to go and break down doors with those Jimmy Choo's and Louis Vuitton's that you probably <laughs> Well, Mo, I adore you. And if I ever have an agent, it will be you. So thank you for having me on the show. Thank you, Mark. And Leslie, I haven't met you, but I'm so glad to be here. Uh, it's a, such an amazing honor. It really is. There are two Latina chief investment officers in the United States. Wow. Two. We can have coffee now. Wow. Were you ever like the only one, probably? Um, right now, I'm the only one that has been acting in that role as of recent. So, wow, amazing. Very few of us. But that means when we look at the Latino community, when we look at women in investments, we have far to go. And if you look at the demographics, where half the world is women, fastest growing demographic is the Latino population, that means we need more people investing and we need more of us in investments. So, that's what fuels me. Is opportunity to create prosperity. Did I grow up like this? No. <laughs> How did you grow up? Because I think it's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because I am so passionate about women's empowerment, frankly, empowerment of all humanity, right? Uh, but women's empowerment. And to me, it's really important for people like you to tell your story. Because if some young lady or little girl, or even a woman who's trying to find her way on the journey of life, uh, I want them to hear like a little bit about how you, what was your childhood like? Uh, was it just perfection? Was it in West Hollywood? Was it <laughs> like in the Hollywood Hills or, or was it challenging? And uh, you know, what, what was your story? What's your story? You know, there's such a beauty about challenge. And I don't think I appreciated that until my adult life. Yeah. So because I grew up with significant challenges, I was able to chart my own journey. I didn't have a name to live up to, for example, but it was actually my abuelita who taught me about money. She experienced poverty. Mm. And my mother, for a time, worked in agriculture and cleaned the uh, rooms of her high school classmates. Mm. So we grew up with very few resources. But by the time I got to my senior year of high school, I was working as a bank, as a bank teller, and got to understand the difference between the bank and the unbanked between the different types of savings and investments. And I realized that in order to change the inequity that's present today, we have to make changes in the underlying system. So we have to change the investment types available. 
we have to break some barriers and it's uncomfortable, but you have to get dirty in order to grow. You got to dig in, plant those seeds, nurture them and help harvest them. And then that's what I've done in the investment space. But it has taken many of us to move this forward. Stacy, what would you attribute the development of these character traits? Clearly, you're poised, you're articulate, you're confident, you're self-aware. Uh, you clearly b b know that you are a gifted woman. How did you develop those traits? Because I know my own story, right, as a young gay Latino growing up in Texas in the world of machismo, Catholicism, blah, blah, blah. I had to, like grow into that self-awareness, that self-respect. How'd you do it, right? Because obviously we have to, we, we've got to grow and evolve into that. How'd you do that? How did that happen for you? It was a different path. And I think it was advocacy for others mm. that helped my voice come through with such clarity. I went to a high school in California that was in the bottom quintile of California schools in terms of academic performance. And many of us struggled. I made it out, but I also helped others too. And so understanding that speaking up could help others is what fueled me then and fuels me now. I wasn't born with a lot of confidence, you know, especially being one of the few Latinas in this space. Um, it, there's imposter syndrome, right? So I have to struggle with that too, knowing that I'm not like some of the others out there. Mm -hmm. But that's also, again, what fuels me. So if, if I feel uncomfortable or out of place, or if I'm experiencing challenges because people think I'm there to serve coffee when I'm there to manage $400 billion, I need to change that. Can we just repeat that? I'm there to manage 400, uh, to our listeners, that's with a B, billion dollars. The lady sitting on the screen and you're listening to her right now is a part of, uh, uh, oversees the investment of 400 billion i can't even say it that's why i, I don't even know how to you know i went to law school because there was no math so i after three digits i'm like you know i can't even fathom right but so to i want to talk about a couple of things when when you got into this investment world this finance world right this this world that let's be honest has traditionally in American history, uh, been a man's world, right? And I air quotes that, right? Uh, and by the way, we've got about one minute till our first break. So if you don't finish, we will pick right back up after the break, okay? But, but so if you want to start by telling us a little bit, did you encounter that kind of like first woman kind of thing where it's like these guys would look at you like, what are you doing in the room? Did you ever experience any of that? Kind of the misogyny, if you will. Uh, I still do. Really? In 2021? Wow. Let's hold that thought. I want to pick that up when we come back in just a few seconds. Because I think this is something very important to continue to discuss, to demonstrate to people. We have a long way to go still, right? Absolutely.
you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at lesliemarshallshow.com. sitting in for Leslie today. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you, Mark, for letting me be here. Uh, and boy, what a guest I have today. Uh, I, I call Leslie indomitable. I also call this lady indomitable, Stacy Olivares, uh, on the board of administration appointed by Governor Newsom at uh, CalPERS, the largest pension fund in the United States. I'm going to go on a limb and make something up. I think it's probably the largest pension fund in the world, I'm going to guess. Uh, I bet you there are, if there are any bigger than that, I would be shocked. Um, Stacy, uh, welcome back to you too. Thank you for being with us. Thank uh, you, Mel. Stacey, before we went to break, I had just asked you whether you had experienced this gender discrimination, this misogyny, uh, and you, I, I actually, I don't know why I was shocked, but to hear you say that you still experience it in these boardrooms and in these uh settings of uh, investment in the investment world and the capital world. Um, you know, what, what do you think women can do to continue to dispel and, you know, de destroy that mentality and that ridiculous, egregious behavior? What can people do? Ah, so let's start with what can people do because I don't think it's just on women. I agree. Uh, and I, you know, and if, I changed it from just women to people because I started realizing we all have a responsibility. We yeah. all have a responsibility and we need to be inclusive, inclusive yep. of everyone. Yep. And that hasn't happened in the investment space, whether it comes to sexuality, whether it comes to gender or race or ethnicity. Um, it's not an inclusive area still. There's increased awareness with ESG, environmental, social and governance, but there's much more we can do. So in California, we've passed two bills recently. One is to require that each corporate board headquartered in the state have at least one woman director. Wow. And in the fall, we passed AB 979 to require that each corporate board have at least one director that's a racial or ethnic minority by the end of 2021 and two by the end of 2022. Wow, amazing. So you don't change anything until you change who is in charge, who has access to that power. Right. Just having a couple people enter into a particular industry might change representation nominally, but we need to shift access to resources and power mm -hmm. so that all of us prosper. Yeah. Why? Because I think a lot of times we lose sight of this. Like we, we, these initiatives, like these two California uh, initiatives and, and a lot of folks in corporate America and even in government, we have diversity initiatives and, you know, so on and so forth. But why are all those important? Uh, in the break, we were kind of talking about this a little bit because I think it's a passion that you and I very deeply share. But why is it important to have a woman director on these boards? Why is it important to have ethnic minorities? Uh, why is diversity important in these roles in, in what you do in the world of capital and investment? Why? Why why worry about this? Well, let me talk about that from the investment perspective first, Mel. Women are half of the population, just a little bit more than half. And then if you look at Latinos, for example, we're the fastest demographic, growing demographic in the U.S. Yeah. Any company, any investment fund that doesn't take into consideration long-term growth or half of the market will fail. Mm 
So this is ultimately about economic growth and about investment growth. Mm. Separate from that, if we are all to have unity as a country, we need to be inclusive. So we need this for economic stability, we need this for peace, and we need this to ensure that the generations coming after us are successful. It's no longer about this just being something that feels good. It, it is an economic and social imperative. And you raised the U word, and it's so relevant and timely, unity. Here we have a new president yeah. who uh, is, uh, has made it the corner piece of his presidency, right? The kind of driving impetus of B President Biden's entire goals and initiatives seems to be this effort to unite the country. And I've never heard it until you right now just put it that way. I've never heard anybody really uh, express so wonderfully what you just said, which is part of unifying is this spirit of inclusion, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, and you know, in, in my little simplistic layperson's terms, I always say, it's about having everybody uh, having every, everybody having a seat at the table of life, right? Exactly. Because if you can't, if you're at the table, a dinner table, it's the same thing as the table of life, right? So you get a chance to say something. Absolutely. Right? And it's your perspective, a woman's perspective, a Latina's perspective, a gay man's perspective, whatever. And that's the fabric of humanity. So, wow, I love how you put it. And I had not heard that before. And I'm so glad you used the U word because President Biden will be happy that we are repeating the U word because it's so important to him and such an important goal of his. So, we're, you know, we've got just a few minutes left and I I wanted to touch on one other thing. Uh, this is probably, uh, you know, going to come out of left field in some ways, but because you're an expert in the investment mm -hmm. uh, sector and capital um, Today, maybe you can sh shed a little light for us on um, what's going on with Reddit and with Robinhood. And, you know, now they're not, you know, cutting off investment opportunities on GameStop. And what is this? What's happening? Uh, I mean, how does how can we relate to that? Like those of us who are lay people who don't even I don't even know how it works, to be really honest with you. So how does, what does this mean to all of us, what's going on today? We're at a very exciting time. And a lot of the early stage investments, particularly crowdfunding, where people are coming together investing very small dollar amounts. So they have access to investment opportunities. It's a very early stage. So we need to grant that access so people engage in markets. They can actually scale up their own investments and understand how to build wealth. But until there is sufficient knowledge available in terms of people understanding investments and disclosure on the investment side, there's going to be some risk. And that's what we're starting to see play out now. I think over time that market will mature a little bit more and it will become more stable. Mm. But until then, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster. So it's kind of like the growing pains is what kind yes, of hear, absolutely. Yes. So there, it's growing pains, what we're seeing today with the Reddit stuff and the GameStop all this drama today and yesterday. Yes, and we're very fortunate to live in a country where we can read about this in the media. Yeah. So that way we are all informed and we can all participate. Mm -hmm. Exactly, I call it the democratization of the investment process. I have 60 seconds and I wanna go back to when I said, 
remember I went to law school because there was no math. So let me very quickly tell you my little story to end our time together uh, really fast. I'm on Air Force Two with Vice President Al Gore, right? 19, whatever, 1996, whatever. And I might have had a, I might have had an extra couple of Heineken beers. And so I maybe wasn't like thinking very clearly. And I said, Mr. Vice President, I need to tell you something. And now let's remember, I'm his chief financial officer. And I, he says, what's that, Mo? And I said, Mr. Vice President, I can't multiply fractions. <laughs> and he thinks for a second, he goes, you're my CFO. By the way, there's some things you just shouldn't tell me. <laughs> Stacey Olivares, what an amazing joy. What a gift you are to our nation, to the world. Seriously, we need more women like you. The humility, the grace, the smarts, the brilliance. You're just, you're just awesome. Your energy, your spirit. God love you. I, I, I wish you continued incredible success. I hope I'm nearby to be there to celebrate with you. Uh, and I hope we get to do something together too because we're find, trying to find ways to collaborate and I can't wait. In the meantime, mwah, thank you for being you. with me. I know Leslie's gonna be real happy with this interview too because this is, was all about uh, highlighting a very awesome woman. Oh, thank you, Mo, I adore you. And thank you, Mark, for this opportunity. This has been wonderful. Thank you, Stacy. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Hey, I'm sitting in for Leslie Marshall today. Uh, I thank her again. I thank Mark Grimaldi, best producer in the country, in my opinion. And I thank them both for having me back. I think it's my fourth time, maybe my third time. Um, and so they just keep taking the risk by having me back. And I'm just, I'm humbled and grateful. <laughs> so um, my next guest has become a friend of mine. And uh, I got to know Eric Mitchell uh, because he um, honestly was the only, uh, I don't want to call him a fan of, of mine, right? That he was my, a fan of me. But God love him, he was the only person that was inviting me to be on his show. And so I was like, you are such a wonderful guy. And he had, he had, do you still have the podcast, Eric? I sure do. To the Point. It's called To the Point with Eric Mitchell. And that's how I got to know Eric. But let me just tell you a little bit about Eric. Uh, he has such a fascinating story. And he was a for, he's a former United States Marine. Um, and in a minute, you'll hear me again. Every time I talk to him, I thank him from the bottom of my heart on behalf of all of us for his service to our nation. But somehow he went from being, and we're going to talk about this, from being a United States Marine to like a media guru uh, and the, at the CEO of Life Flip Media, where he works with on and off talent. And he himself is on and off talent, by the way, on air and off air. Um, he's a leading resource for major brands celebrities, athletes, as well as clients who are just beginning their media journey. And what he does with them is he increases their media visibility and he helps them grow their overall brand. Uh, and we could go on and on. And I, I want to get to you, though. I, I, you know, <laughs> reading people's bios, I love it. But I'd rather talk about it and let it come out of our conversation because you're 
you're such a fascinating, intriguing person to me. Like you've had me on so many times on your podcast and every time we get to know each other a little bit better. Um, and, you know, I'm going to start by something almost like a bombshell start here. Watch. I know I wasn't going to go there, but I, I it's something that I've wanted, been wanting to say to you. And the Leslie Marshall show is the perfect place to say it. You know, how does this former Marine, right, who becomes this media personality, runs a successful media company, has a successful podcast, very opinionated, I might add. But, <laughs> you know, you and I, I, I guess I shouldn't put words in your mouth, but we just like hit it off when we first met. Like we became instantaneous brothers, mm -hmm. right? I and agree. I just want to talk about that for a second because I have like wanted to thank you publicly because, you know, let's be honest, former military, tough Marine, you know, very used to be very conservative. You're not supposed to love me. I don't know if we're not supposed to. I, I think that's a well, that's one of the, that, typically yeah that's one of the stereotypes that I'm actually really vocal about uh, Mo. You know by following me on Twitter, we go after the same people. We have mad love for our friend Matt Gates. Uh, he's one of our favorite human beings. We're still looking for his son. I don't know where his son went. He just poor Esther well, just disappeared. I think he knows where his son is, but I yeah, I'm pretty sure he does where he does too. But. At Mira Largo, uh, but uh, where everyone seems to be this week, it seems to be the new hangout. Uh, anyways, but you know, it's it's one of those stereotypes. Being a Marine, that so many people have asked me, they're like, "Oh, you're so anti this, and you you just so believe in things that Marines shouldn't." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" And they're like, "Look, you have BLM on your Twitter hashtag, and you you hang out with people who you know, you know, they fly that rainbow flag." And I'm like. Wow, I didn't know that I'm not supposed to like. I was raised to love everyone. I mean, I'm, my grandfather was a Fulberg colonel in the army, and trust me, I learned all about racism from him and hearing what he said. And I said, I love the man, but I'm not going to be that way. So I embrace everybody. I love conversations. I don't know if it's because in the military, especially in the Marine Corps, it's a melting pot. And it was struggling for me coming from Northern California, where we're open to everything. To yeah. meeting people, I'd never met anybody from Alabama or the flyover states. I'd never met people who they they were just different, right? They talked different. They had that twang that you just I'd never heard before. Some people had never had three square meals a day, and it was just I kind of learned to embrace everybody at that time. And then, of course, becoming a parent, you have to practice what you preach, and that's another beautiful thing. So all of that coming together just caused to have the person I have. I have an amazing mother who raised me, you embrace everybody, you don't judge. And I've carried that through, you know. Well, yes, you years have. Now. Yes, you have. And I wanted to, I, I, you know, I wasn't going to go there, but I really think that Leslie's show is all about empowerment and about inclusion and equality. And I just wanted to give the listeners and viewers just a chance from the very beginning of our time together here, um, a chance to see, you know what, when you really are open to love and you are open to humanity and you do want to find the good in all people, it can work. Because I think you and I, um, not to toot our own horns, but I think we're really a good example of what real brotherhood is uh, when, when you can say, you know what, we're not going to focus on why we're not supposed to be buddies but we're going to focus on why we should and how we can, right? Yeah. So, Eric, on that note, look, it's no secret. Anybody who's followed you on Twitter or watched your podcast, <laughs> you are, you're fired up. 
Okay. I mean, I think you heard Barack Obama say, fire it up, ready to go. And you took it to like a new uh, stratospheric level, right? And, and that's one of the things I love about you. You're very passionate about your beliefs. And uh, I think you're very vocal about when you see an injustice and inequality, when something's egregious, you're, you will very, very, uh, in an unfiltered way, uh, like, like Movella, you, that's what maybe one of the reasons we get along so well. Uh, we don't know what a filter is, no. but, but you know what? I love that about you. So, but what I want to go back to is because if I'm not mistaken, I think in one of our first conversations, correct me if I'm wrong, but earlier in your life, were you not, were you always this progressive thinking? Were you always this L, I hate the L word liberal because they use it so negatively, but were you always this kind of liberal minded? Because Absol- this Absolutely of- not. To answer your question, no. I mean, I was I raised by staunch Republicans. That's what I thought. Yeah. Staunch. I mean, I was raised in Florida until I was 13. So <laughs> hello. Uh, you know, it's it, it just always been that way. Everybody is. It's the only way I knew like Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. I mean, that's what everybody listened to. And I made my own viewpoints once I joined the military is where I really got to hear all sides of the story. Yeah. And then moving to the Silicon Valley, going through what I went through, working around people. I mean, my first job out of the Marine Corps wasn't right into the Silicon Valley. It was working on the waterfront as a longshoreman on the West Coast. Wow. And it was the first time I hung around people who had felonies and went to prison. And I'm like, wow, I got to be around people and people like, oh, my goodness, you must have been scared. Number one. No, I'm a Marine. We don't get scared about very much, (laughs) except I fear my wife. But that's in a loving way. That requires an oorah right there. That that does. But hanging out with people who didn't come from the same life as me and hearing their journey and seeing them become successful was what inspired me to start making this changeover. Honestly, it was easy to, once Barack Obama came around, I love President Obama. He was that president that really took that word change, and I could see it, and he stood by it. And it was the first president growing up that I believed actually wanted to make change. I hate seeing racism in our country. It's disgusting. Started with Native Americans and has worked our way to our black brothers and sisters in our country. You know this as a Latino man and a gay man in America. We we just look at racism in a whole different way. It's like, if you're not white, you're not right. And I've always hated that because I'm that kid growing up that was reading, you know, what, driving my parents nuts because I'm reading the Malcolm X autobiography. Yeah. I'm like geeking out on that. I'm learning about Frederick Douglass. I'm like going into my history roots. I'm a love to learn and knowledge is power. So for me, growing up conservative and getting my own way, it's like I found my own voice and it's something that I'm going to go share because... I hate being typecast as a 40-plus-year-old man who, just because the color of my skin means I'm supposed to, oh, you're supposed to vote a certain way. You're supposed to believe a certain way. Well, that's not yeah. how I want to live, and I, I never will, and I'm never going to be quiet. I'll leave things radioactive before I'll bite my tongue, and it's really hard to behave sometimes, especially on Twitter. It's really difficult when I don't want to. We, we're we're going to have to go to break here in about a minute and a half, but I'd like to start hearing the answer to this because I think there are, you know, I think it's important. We are so divided and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, right, after the break. But, but before we go there, I wanted to ask you something because what you just described was an evolution in your mind, in your heart, in your soul. You were raised in a very conservative household, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I think what you've experienced is very relevant to what how we might get out of what we're experiencing in this divide, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so do you think that a lot of it, Eric, was because wh- what was it? This was it an open mind? 
Was I, it yeah. this? I'll go with of- open mind to answer you first. It's of having an open mind and seeking the truth, seeking the knowledge of actual facts and going and seeing how history has done it. You have to learn before you can make decisions. You could say, oh, racism's a problem. But can you say, okay, we've been treating our black brothers and sisters in America like garbage for over 200 years. This is an issue that we need to talk about. We do yeah. this. We graze over Native Americans like like it's no topic. But come yeah. on. I mean, it's like, really? We, we do the same thing with our Latino brothers and sisters. It's yeah. amazing how our country's just like, oh, poor pity me. But if you go look and open a history book and see where it traces back to, there's no way that it doesn't open your eyes and make, oh, maybe I should go a different way. We've almost become numb to it. We're, we're taking a break. We'll be back in just a second. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Hi, welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Mo Vela, sitting in for Leslie Marshall. Uh, and my guest today is Eric Mitchell. He is the host of the podcast To The Point with Eric Mitchell and the CEO of Life Flip Media. Uh, and more importantly than all that, he's my friend. Okay, he's my friend. And he's an awesome, an Amer- an awesome American, an awesome guy, former Marine. So we were talking about uh, you know, how you evolved, Eric, right? And how how keeping an open mind. I, I just think right now we've never seen, at least I've never seen uh, our country as divided as it is today. Um, and I, you know, look, I, I like to, you know, be transparent about the fact that I think we all have a responsibility in bridging the divide, uh, right? But I don't want our listeners or viewers to get too mad at me for saying this, but I do want to acknowledge the fact that we are all very much in pain over what happened the last four years. Many of us feel that pain very deeply. Many of us have experienced an unprecedented anxiety from the, the you know, the Trump actions and words and deeds, uh, not to mention the pandemic and, you know, everything else, but I'm just focusing on him right now. Um, so I want to I want to acknowledge that I I am the same way. I am just as mad. I am just as hurt. But Eric, where I'm headed with this is, I'm just wondering what your opinion is on this. I think we all have a responsibility. Do you think that every one of us, including all of us that are Dems and all of us that are progressives and liberals, do you think we have a responsibility to also start using some conciliatory language? Or should, you know, where do you draw the line? How long can we remain really mad and pissed off, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I love that question, Mo. And that's a question I frequently ask myself because so much infuriates me. I mean, we're three weeks since the attack on our nation's capital, which yeah. unfortunately still angers me that we seem to be. The, just the, Just hearing that people are looking the other way, seeing the votes taking place on the Senate floor. The fact that, you know, we have Kevin McCarthy down at Mar-a Largo talking to the puppet master, still, this, it's still not going away. We want to unify, and I believe President Biden in every bit wants to unite, but it's very hard as progressive thinking and as liberals to go, I forgive these folks. Now, a lot of Trump folks have started pitching because they saw what he did, and a lot of true Americans And this is where we go to the true Americans, because I think both sides have factions that are crazy. 
Although hearing yesterday that the leader of the Proud Boys has been an FBI informant for a few years did warm my heart going, when are you guys going to see you've been played? But that's a whole nother day and a whole nother episode. But I think America as in general is beginning the healing process now. I've had conversations with friends and family and associates that we didn't speak for almost a year. And even with a lot of shows that we put out recently on To The Point, where people were not happy with what I was talking about because it really blended the lines, calling their president a... I don't know what's going on here. Sorry, I apologize. I don't even know why that's happening. Excuse me. Okay, that's not good. Okay, well, you don't have a camera with me, but hey, I can talk. You can hear my voice. That's the great we thing. We can, and we can see your phone number. Uh, that's great. I don't know who that is, but they're not happy. Whoever it is. Whoever it is just got an interesting... Hold on, we're fixing this right now. I apologize to everybody. That's embarrassing. Wow, I've never had this happen to me. Hmm. Well, now we're seeing all your private messages, but don't worry about that. There we go. <laughs> wow, now you're seeing me. I don't know how that happened. Do not disturb and everything's set. I do TV for a living, folks. Here we go. Ta-da. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But no, go back to what we were talking about. Unity happens when people want it to happen. And I believe a large part of our country wants to be unified. We want to have those Thanksgiving dinners and family conversations not to be politically driven. And it's been that way for the last week because yeah. we're seeing change in place. I think we need more distance. We still have fresh wounds. Four years of being beat down by the orange one, his yeah. very sadistic sons, Rudy Giuliani, yeah. Jenna Ellis, the, the cast of characters that goes on. I mean, for example, look at Mitch McConnell. He, you know, he's kind of, I don't know what side he's on. I mean, he's always the evil emperor to me, but... It, it's all these folks, but I definitely think the new generation wants change. And we're seeing it because we're seeing these younger Republican congressional leaders speak out and say, I'm willing not to get reelected in 2022 if I'm doing the right thing. And you're seeing, you know, you're seeing people come out, this crazy Republican out of, you know, Georgia, this Q leader Amazing. who's in the last 12 hours, deleted pages of tweets and Facebook posts and is now playing. I'm the mom of the year. How come you're never talking about the things I talk about? Motherhood. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe because you harassed a survivor of the Parkland shooting. Maybe because of that. Maybe right? because you believe 9-11 was an inside job. Oh, my God. So, but how do we get, in your opinion, how do we get more of those Republican members of Congress the Senate and the House. How do we get more of them? How do we get more of those Republicans? I, but let me make it clear. I agree with you that there are reasonable-minded Republicans. Many of them are friends of mine that I respect and admire and I love, right? Who, who never supported Trump. They want their party back, right? Mm -hmm. And I personally think that one of the ways we unify is to make sure we get them, give them the uh, empowerment and the uh, moral support. Don't you think that they feel safe getting becoming more vocal about? I think when, right? I think when they, yeah, I think if when they start seeing that we're not canceling Christmas and yep. all those things that they were told, you know, that's what they've been told: high taxes. Well, we haven't seen any of that. Yep. A lot of things that President Biden has done in his first full week in office is making a difference for America. And you're always going to have those that are going to gaslight whatever they want. At the end of the day, he just wants to unify America. And I love that his message has always been that way. It's not only the NASCAR crowd at these huge Hitler youth rallies. I mean, Trump rallies back in the day. Instead, it's been these willy, everything he does, and it's all in the open. And we should like that as Americans 
to have a president who's not hiding his conversations with, you know, Putin and anyone else. It's public knowledge. And this is what we've craved. If I want to see the president on social media, I want to see him at the Resolute desk. I want to see him working. I want to see him talking to the VP who's actually a VP and not a puppet. I want to see work get done to make a difference for America, because that's all that matters is we're Americans. We're not a political party. Yeah, you raise a novel concept. I, it's crazy, I know, it's weird. They, they work for us. They do. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I, uh, you, you brought up President Biden's efforts to unify the country, and I, I just feel like from my heart, I wanna just throw one thing in right there because as you very well know, as we've discussed every time I'm on your show, um, you know, I, I, I love the Bidens and I consider them friends of mine and it was an honor to work for them. But I just want to reiterate something. I don't, in case there's somebody who thinks that Joe Biden might by some weird thing just be saying unity for the sake of saying unity, uh, I, I just want to set the record straight here. This man is so beautifully transparent and he's so authentic in his desire to unify this country. And you hit on it, Eric. Why? Why does he want to unify this country? For the same reason that you, Eric, and Mo, and everybody else, and Leslie, and Mark, and every, all of the people listening and watching, because we love our country. Novel right? idea. Because we love our country. So uh -huh. let me ask you, um, you... First of all, I'm going to go somewhere really interesting now that I wasn't planning on either, oh, but great. I love the unexpected, right? Yep. Um, so, Eric, where do you see yourself in five years? Let me just tell you, look, before you answer that, before you answer that, okay. I want to just commend you. I have watched you from the first time I was a guest on your podcast to the Eric Mitchell that I'm watching today, you have evolved into a little media monster. Like you, are, I am so proud of you. I really am. I mean, so an art, just articulate as hell, very clear focused, um, and and just just so authentic in your delivery and in your beliefs and your passion. Where do you see yourself in a few years? Where are you headed with all this? I Truly, my dream is to become a broadcast journalist on a, have a, a show of my own on a national network. I would love that opportunity and also host a radio show. Those are things that I'd like to do. This, to the point, was always my entry, my gateway drug into yeah. it, already working in the media. I love that I get to talk about sports and lifestyle when I'm on national TV. That's great. But my dream is having my own show to have you on as a regular and being able to cross all the divides and being able to take my snarky humor and yeah. my life's experience and bring it to people in a way that they're everybody's used to the stuffy suits. We see the same guys. I don't have any like ties to anybody besides just loving my country and wanting to hang out with people, make people laugh and learn at the same time. So it's just well, it's a beautiful opportunity. You, uh, not only do you love your country, you served our nation and you sacrificed in service of our nation and what a wonderful way to bring this time together to a close but before i say goodbye to you and thank you profusely for being with us i want to tell you something i know what i saw today i saw a broadcast journalist ready to be in prime time that's what i saw today so i can't wait so just remember mark grimaldi and leslie marshall and little old me 
We hope we gave you one little shot today, right? And by the way, hint, hint, Mark's listening, the producer of the show. Maybe someday he might have you on to guest host so that you can take another step to having your own show. How's that? I'm going to encourage him to do that. How's that? That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Thank you again, Mo, we for doing this. And I love everything so about you, my brother. Your service to our nation. Keep going out there and be vo- being visual and vocal, brother. You're, you're fierce. You're fierce. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, my brother. If you're looking for COVID-19 testing, look into Quest, the lab that's processed over 25 million tests and counting. You can get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's experience and accuracy you can trust from Quest, the largest medical testing lab in the country. So order today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. As much as life has changed over the last year, you're still pretty busy. So consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same tests hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 25 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com.